conversation. But we forgot to say the name of the podcast. Welcome to my first time. Welcome to my first time. I'm Mary Jo Smith. I'm Colleen Smith. No, no relation. relation. With us as always is Ian Phone Smith. Not, not related to me. But related to me. And uh, in the back, uh, our other producer, T. Chick McClure, fine art photographer and... Uh, website manager. I don't think we normally say that at this part. No, I guess we don't. Continue. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, our guests tonight, we're very excited. We have four fantastic guests. Mm-hmm. Our topic is school. Yes. Um, and our guests tonight are Katia Duft, Yay. Brian Henson, Yay. Tony Cavallero, mm-hmm. and Danny Morrow. Yay! Yay! Um, and we're super excited to have you guys all here. So before we get started, why don't we just quickly go around, just say hello and say your name and just... Greet the listeners. We have millions of them. <laughs> Say hello, won't you? Ooh, hello. My name is Katya Duft, and I am a linguist, language teacher, which is related to school a little bit, and uh, I'm Russian. Nice to meet you. Oh, I'm Brian Henson. I am a director, a producer, a puppeteer. My father is Jim Henson. I have run and the. Jim Henson Company, a lot. I have a really <laughs> cool and weird and wonderful life where I get to do a lot of different weird and wonderful things. Indeed. Very cool. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Tony Cavallero. Um, uh, I'm an actor and a writer and a director, and I'm uh, married, and um, my wife's awesome. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she is awesome. And um, I guess I, you know, I'm most uh, known for playing Mr. Finn on Nickelodeon School of Rock. Yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Danny. Um, I'm an actor, writer, uh, mom. Yeah. My son just turned a year. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> and I'm just excited to be here. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. We're excited to have you. All right, may I just start us off? Okay, so I'll start off. Which is sort of this is crazy that I would start off talking about school because I really never went to school, and I've talked about this on this podcast quite a bit. So I'm gonna try to keep it fairly short, but. For those of you um, who haven't heard this about me. So my mom, um, who you might know from, uh, when was she here? Uh, uh, motherhood. Motherhood, yeah. Um, she is very anti-establishment. Uh, so anti-Western medicine um, and anti-education system. So I grew up with my mom really wanting to provide us with a alternative education and be homeschooled. And that meant different things at different times. Sometimes that had some structure to it, and sometimes it didn't. Um, mostly it didn't. And um, it's, it, I'll drop this. I, I mentioned this to Colleen earlier. Um, I was talking to my mom on the phone earlier tonight, and she said, I said, I have to get off the phone doing the podcast tonight. She said, oh, what's the topic? I said, school. We have somebody coming who went to boarding school and Catholic school and whatever. And she said, oh, I totally could have done that because... And my mother has this history of dropping little pieces of information out of nowhere that, as if I knew them. And also, they're, they, when you hear with these pieces that she dropped tonight, you're, she does this a lot. She said, because um, I went to boarding school, and um, I could talk about how they used to put a thermometer at my ass every morning. And I was like, what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out. First of all, when did you go to boarding school? I had no idea that that had happened. She said, oh, yeah, it was during the war. So during World War II, my mother went to boarding school for an undetermined amount of time. I haven't asked her. I, I was stunned and had to get off the phone. Um, and apparently, and I said, what do you mean they put a thermometer up your ass every morning? She said, well, that's how they could tell we were healthy. And I was like, 
have you seen the keepers on HBO? Because something else is going on here. So that's my mom. Um, so my mom is, um, she's crazy and I love her and she lives here half time but she's not here tonight. Um, for follow up questions. Follow up questions. Feel free to reach out. She's at Little Mima on Twitter. Um, she, so anyway, so, uh, so what I was just going to sort of talk about tonight is because I didn't have a sort of structured education at all, I went to um, preschool. Um, at Happy Herman, that mm. was a school that my mother helped run, and uh, and then I went to I sort of was part of a elementary school that was kind of more of just sort of like a co-op daycare um, called Magic Morning, um, and then I went to public school in the second grade for one semester because my mother had no money for daycare, so we went mm. into public school for that one semester. I'm the oldest of five kids, by the way, um, and then. I really didn't go to school, and I've, I've talked about this before, and I'm not going to go into it, but I used to drop into high school. I used to, like, go hang out with my friends at high school and get chased off campus. <laughs> but um, oh God. the thing that I, I've carried a lot of shame around about not having an education, and when I was younger, I used to hide it. I really thought, like, like I would not play Trivial Pursuit with you because I was so um, scared and sort of embarrassed about how little I knew about things like history and geography mm -hmm. and um, mathematics and um, and I craved school I wanted school I sort of raged against my mother's um, lack of uh, belief in the in the her, her thing was life is school and I, I I appreciate that and I agree with that on a lot of levels but there's also a lot to learn in the world that you don't always get just living your life where you live if you live in a small town which I did when I was a kid and as a teenager um, where uh, so when I was a kid I started in um, well for, for the purpose of school I was in Willits which is a very small town in Northern California in Mendocino County um, it's still just as small today as it was um, back in 1912 when I was in elementary school <laughs> Stop. Um, you look stunning thank you appreciate it um, and uh and then my teenage years, I lived in Ojai, which mm. Ojai today, for those of you who don't know, is a, a small town, less than 10,000 people. It's about 90 minutes north of Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful little community where um, they the city ordinance says like there's no billboards, there's no chain restaurants. It's just a beautiful, quaint little village, and when you're a 16-year-old, you want nothing to do with that. You want out <laughs> as fast as you possibly can. Um, and it's it's changed a lot since I lived there. Now it's become this sort of celebrity bedroom community, like to the stars, and people um, buy houses out there where I used to live. But when I lived out there, it was not. Yeah, yeah. Although Bill Paxton did end up buying the house that we we've talked about this anyway. Ooh. So um, I know. So I'm gonna try to keep this short. Uh, but yeah, so like I never got a prom. Um, I never got homecoming. I never had. There was no sports teams to belong to. Um, when I was in high school, my, we were living in this community, many families under one roof, and the whole sort of basis for the community was single parents uh, who wanted to raise their children outside of the norm and outside of this, um, what, the public education system, and so we were going to have homeschool. And it was structured for a short amount of time, but it was crazy. Um, like, for example, like um, 
like our English class was my mother's boyfriend at the time reading aloud and acting out um, Ruby Fruit Jungle. I'm not familiar. Oh, well, it's a book about the coming-of-age story of a young lesbian in New York who made made money by letting old uh, men pelt her with grapefruits until they ejaculated. Oh, my God. Um, So that was English class in my house. Um, So that a man acted that. My mother's boyfriend. My mother's boyfriend, yeah. Um, Or, like, you know, um, we played a lot of pool. For um, what's that geometry? No, idea. yeah, math, math, yeah, math. math. So yeah, we played pool for math. Did you have what are they? What's the thing that's shaped like that that you use to measure triangle thing? Yeah. You know, like a oh, like protractor. a protractor, protractor, and I don't know office. if we had any protractors. No, probably not. But but they would teach us things like I learned how to balance a checkbook. I learned how to change the oil mm-hmm. in a car. Mm-hmm. I learned how to read a gas bill. Um, like, those were the things that they felt were very, very important. Life smarts. Life smarts, right. Like, what are you really going to need? They were really sort of of the mind of, like, you're not going to need algebra, but you're going to need to know how to balance your checkbook. Yeah. But you could learn algebra and learn how to yeah, balance yeah. your checkbook. That was sort of my argument. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would seek out things to do. And, One doesn't um, exclude We lived in this big house that we separated out into weird spaces, but the house had this huge formal dining room, marble floored, really high ceiling, and it had these huge banks of um, bookshelves. And so all of these families had brought all of these books and, and put them on these bookshelves. And so I created like a Dewey Decimal System yeah. and um, put little tags on all of the books. Mm. And then you had to come and check them out, which is sort of an exercise in just me being controlling. But I was like, that was the kind of thing I wanted yeah. organization and I wanted structure and I wanted that stuff. And um, for a long time, I was embarrassed and ashamed mm. to... Um, I just felt embarrassed and ashamed to have no education. I don't have a diploma. Um, I don't have uh, any kind of degree of any kind. I never went to college. Um, and I, and I, I mean, I guess everything's fine. Turned out fine. Yeah. Again. I mean. But, um, <laughs> but I, I, I really, and I, I wanted it so bad. Like I, because I, I, I've talked about this too. But I, I, I grew up so outside the norm and all I wanted was to be normal I didn't want to be known as the weird kid as the where do you live kid as the why are you wearing a no nuke shirt kid like whatever it was like (laughs) I I wanted to just be like the normal every other kid and um and so I I just I coveted that like it was like a like I was just a little match girl on the outside of a high school like scratching at the windows like let me in and I I don't even know why because I I don't I think you know, people have asked me, well, do you think that you're better off having, you know, gotten the education that you, or lack of education that you had? And there's no way to answer that question, right? Because it's the life you've led. Yeah. And it's who it's made me or not made me to be. So I can't say it was good or bad. It just was what it was. Um, but yeah, I just, I always wanted to like, I wanted to like put my hand up and ask yeah. questions and be like, here, yeah. I wanted that so bad. Yeah. Like I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off because it was all that culture. Like yeah. that was the thing. I had no, I didn't take part in what is truly a very traditional American or non-American I mean, global thing. Like you yeah. go to school and you come up for many people. They are still friends with people they knew in kindergarten. Like I yeah. love that when somebody says we went, we came up through elementary school together. We're still friends. Yeah. I am so envious of that. I don't have that. I have a few friends that I've known since my teenage years, but I, I never experienced that. I mean, I, my siblings, I went to school with my siblings, they're still my friends. <laughs> but, um, but I didn't get to take part in that. And so I really, I, I'm excited to hear everybody's 
stories tonight because it's all going to be unique to me. And um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was trying to make school look really unpleasant. I think it's so funny that <laughs> you know, reference that. Oh, I watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I know. I wish true. I was going yeah, to right. school. <laughs> right. That's very true. He was all, he all he wanted to do was not go to school. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, like all of those John Hughes movies, like even yeah. like Breakfast Club, like, I've, yes, of course, I want to, you know, try to kill myself because I didn't make the lamp go. Like, I, want, I want all of those Or craving like a locker. Oh, yes. I wanted a locker. Yeah, yeah. I, locker, I feel like a locker was a, a big, like, I really couldn't wait to like a locker. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, I don't, I doubt that I would have been a cheerleader, but like, none of that stuff yeah. was available to me. And um, I just, I glamorized it, I romanticized yeah. it, and I just thought, you know, I just thought it was this cool and like a couple of times we were involved in sort of sports like in town like there was a public pool where they had a swim club and so I was on the swim team and once again it was just an example of like how outside of the norm we were because they would have potlucks and all the moms would bring cupcakes and stuff and my mom would bring like tofu and uh, yeah mom. Uh, so I just always felt oh, like man. I know right tofu is actually very good now but I didn't like it then yeah. um what so, yeah. was that fake chocolate? The, the, carob. Carob. I, I guess you were, carob. So you were a carob household, oh. probably. Yeah, we were a carob household. <laughs> carob and honey. And um, the only candy we were ever really given was halva. Do you know that? It's like, mm. a, it's like a Middle Eastern delicacy. Um, it's basically like, do you know halva? It's kind so. of like sponge sugar. It is Middle Eastern, I it think. It is Middle Eastern, yeah. yes. It's super sweet. Um it's very, very It's unique. like layered brown kind of thing. Layered brown, that's basically <laughs> what it is. That's exactly how to yeah, describe yeah, it. It's layers of brown. Yeah, we ate tons of it in the Soviet Union. Turkish delight. Turkish delight. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. I know yeah. Turkish delight. Um, I know it's going. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> I read Narnia. But yeah, we didn't have any of that stuff. We didn't have TV, so like we used to run down the street to the Western Auto, which was like the little tiny like miniature Target to watch TV. They had like recliners for sale in front of the TVs for oh, sale yeah. and you could sit and watch. So I just was an outsider and school was such yeah. a big part of that. And so um, I'm going to stop um, <laughs> because uh, I just I can't wait to hear what everybody else is. Thank you, Mary. And no, I won't play Trivial Pursuit with any of you. <laughs> All right. Tony Cavallero. Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, so I have... Let me give you some backstory before I dive into school. So <laughs> I grew up doing sports. Like I did Taekwondo for like 12 years, very team environment. And um, and both of my grandfathers had served in the military and my dad had not. But I grew up always, my dad had wished he had gone into the Navy and was go- going to enlist in the Navy and then missed it by, you know, his the, the age requirement or whatever. He was already 34 or whatever it was. And um, that was always like a regret of his. Mm-hmm. And then my brother is um, three years older than I am, two or three years, depending upon the month. And, um, <laughs> and uh, it's funny how time shifts. Right, I know that time shifts. So I was a freshman in high school when he was a senior, and he got accepted to the Naval Academy Prep School, and then decided not to go, and ended up going to this little private school in Virginia, and it didn't work out. He joined a frat, and and ended up leaving there for a couple of years, not going to school. And, and you're from up. that area, from the Virginia area? From Northern Virginia, so mm-hmm. right outside Northern of D.C., yeah. yes. So um, I had like I had been doing acting like as a class in school, but like I lived the complete opposite. I was like the total cliche. So like my brother was homecoming king, 
and I was a freshman who like came up and so I had the whole high school you know football wrestling lacrosse and um, I'm so jealous yeah you know I, I always wanted to play division one lacrosse so when it came time to look for colleges I had my dad was basically like, well, we can't afford to send you anywhere, anywhere, basically. Your brother had used up all the money. <laughs> so he was like, you should really look into an ROTC scholarship or look at these military schools. So I applied to West Point. I got into the prep school at West Point. And then I had visited this place called the Virginia Military Institute, which is this um, crazy school in Virginia. And I looked at a couple other places. And then... Um, and this is for what, what age? This, for this college? is college, college yeah. Okay. So my senior year... Um, 9-11 happened. And basically, I think it was the following week I went early decision to VMI and was like, okay, great. That's kind of, I'll get to go kill bad guys. So I decided that I was going to go there and the coach said I'd get to play right away on the team. You know, I'd I'd be an impact player right away. And so... um, Wait, which sport was this? This was football. Lacrosse. This was lacrosse. lacrosse. Okay. And is, okay. is, is sports in military school just as big of a deal as any other school? Yes, and, and maybe even bigger. Oh, okay. So <laughs> just to give you a little backstory on VMI. So VMI was established in, I think, 1836. And it was an armory originally. And it's, I'll send you guys a picture, but it looks like a jail. And it hasn't changed very much since 1836. <laughs> and then Stonewall Jackson taught there. Oh. And um, George Washington um, had, Washington Lee is literally in the same town. Another little, small, very prestigious private school. So Robert E. Lee lived there in Lexington. And that obviously was Robert E. Lee's school there. And then his church is right next to the school. So lots of rich southern tradition and so uh when the civil war happened stonewall jackson left obviously stopped teaching (laughs) and um and like their big claim to fame is that in 1864 at the battle of newmarket which was about uh i want to say it's like a 30 minute drive up the road uh robert e lee was running low on men and his biggest regret of the war was calling 200 cadets from vmi to march up and fight for the confederacy at the battle of newmarket and back then, like, when you were in college, you were, like, 14 to, like, 17 mm-hmm, years right. old. So 14 cadets, 13 cadets, I, I'm, I'm feeling regretful because if you didn't know this knowledge at VMI, right. they'd make you do push-ups until you couldn't do push-ups <laughs> You had to know all the cadets, all their names. When you're done with your story, please drop and give us how many <laughs> Yes, yes, of course. He's very fit. He's in, for he's those of us who can see him, he's very fit. Yes, yes. He's here a long time okay. watching him yes. do push-ups well, before he was leftover done. discipline. <laughs> and let's just say fear slash discipline <laughs> for military school. So... Anyways, these cadets, they 14 of them died at the Battle of Newmarket, so it had this big tradition. And then Patton went there, um, Chesty Puller went there. These are all famous military men. George C. Marshall went there, um, just to name a, a few. And so this place is steeped in history. And then it's basically just a big frat. <laughs> uh, we were the, like, their other big claim to fame is they fought the Supreme Court tooth and nail in in they were the last public school to allow women public right. military yeah. college yeah it was huge it was like national headlines every day and so and when was that that the first female graduate i think was 2001 or 2002 yeah, yeah. and i mean it was that takes some balls for the oh women man yeah. and back Ruth then they, Ginsburg was i think the the justice was the justice? yes yeah. i'm sure yeah, yeah. oh man and I mean, they there were fractions of, of alumni that 
had literally funded an entire new military college where no women would be allowed. Wow. And, and, you know, they were going to ban the school and all this stuff. Oh, yeah, and then another piece, Sherman's March to the Sea, he bombed VMI on his March to the Sea. Wow. Because of the kids that fought in Newmarket. I, my history might be off. But it shut down for a couple of years because it got bombed so bad. Um, so anyways, I decided to go to this fucking wow. crazy place to go play <laughs> lacrosse. And part of it's like total ego. I'm always like kind of like... Yeah, I'm going to, like, the road less traveled guy. Like, I'm going to do that. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to move to L.A. with no experience or knowledge of anything <laughs> acting or show business whatsoever. It's, like, the same kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so I show up on day one. You know, they shave my head. And then, oh my God. I mean, it's, like, right away. You're in the gamut. You're not allowed to talk. For, like, mm. the full first week you're there, it's called Hell Week. And um, you're not allowed to say me, my, or I. It's all this rat. Um, so you're called a rat. And God. when you walk into to barracks... To eliminate you. Yes. You need to do to eliminate completely, you. Completely. Right. So you're a rat for the first until what's called breakout. So your whole freshman year, you're not allowed to talk outside of your room or the classroom. <gasps> oh, wow. Uh, unless spoken to by an officer. And at any time... So when you're at school... If you're inside of barracks, so you're in a jail, you have to, like a rat, <laughs> there's a duct tape line along the wall. And wow. you have to walk in what's called a strain. So your arms have to be pinned to your side. Your, uh, your shoulder blades have to be able to pinch a knife if they were to put a knife in between it. Wow. And then your chin has to be tucked in like this, and you can only look straight ahead. And you have to walk. Because this is a posture you would need in, like, yeah, yeah. in a battle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and are you in uniform so, every day? Every day. Every day. All the time. And so just for example, and this Super went hot. through your entire career as a cadet, um, anybody at any time in the day could come in and inspect your room. And so you weren't allowed to have, so you slept on cots with bedrolls on top. So every morning you'd wake up and you'd have to roll your bedroll up and you'd have to put your cot up in a specific way and your name was on everything. So if it wasn't specific, then you'd get a demerit for that or whatever. And they could literally take the trash bag out of your trash can. And if your trash can was dirty inside, that was five mm. demerits. Wow. So any time of the day, they could come in. You could never sleep in, except for Sundays. You could sleep in on a Sunday. And every morning you were inspected, visually inspected. So uniform, brass shine, shoe shine. Wow. And so it's extra intense when you're a rat. Mm. And uh, at any point during that rat period, you can... So rats live on the four stoop. Um, seconds or um, thirds, which are sophomores, live on the third stoop. Seconds, which are juniors, live on the second stoop, and then firsts, which are seniors, live on the first stoop. So, so you're you'd a rat have to for a whole year. A whole year. Well, you go through what's called breakout, which okay. is crazy. It's going to be hard to say. <laughs> but um, so you walk this rat line, and at any point, as long as you're not running late to a class, any upperclassman could stop you and say, "Rat, who's the president of the first class? Rat, tell me the honor court. Rat, who were the thirteen cadets that died in the battle of Newmarket? Rat, who's the superintendent?" Wow. Uh, you know, any of this, any of this stuff, rat, who were the members of the honor court? And you'd have to know this stuff. And you had a little Bible, a little rat Bible that was always supposed to be tucked up in your hat, in your, in your, wow. uh, military cap. And if you didn't know it, they could just tell you to push or they could tell you to do pull-ups because there was a pull-up bar right there. And they Which could just right there everywhere, everywhere there was pull-up Every bars. stoop, there's oh a pull-up bar. There wouldn't be a pull-up bar within 20 feet of you. Through all throughout barracks, <laughs> at any point, and so 
I stayed away. I tried. I'd hide out in the lacrosse locker room, and I was lucky because I got out a lot of a lot of trouble because I just I became a nerd really quick. So if you got good grades, I found out you got out of stuff. So like if you got good grades, as long as I got good grades in a semester, the next semester I'd have what's called academic stars. And so if you had academic stars, people were like less likely to bug you, officers and you wore or them. whoever. Wait, the academic yeah. store? They'd you put it right on your uniform. Yeah, on your epaulets oh, okay. or on your collar, depending upon what mm-hmm. uniform so you So the have. nerds ruled the school. For sure. Well, and you, got, <laughs> and you got free days. So your sophomore year, if you got over a 3-5, you got two free days the next, the next semester. Mm-hmm. So it would carry over. So you'd get a free day. And my brother was like living in Richmond, and my girlfriend at that time was living in Richmond. So I was able to like... I could just tell my teachers, hey, I'm going to be gone next Thursday and get to skip class and leave. Yeah. So um, I became a nerd real quick. And then I became like big time into lacrosse real quick um, because like the military thing, I was just like uh, not super duper into it. <laughs> yeah. um, and then every Friday we do parade. So if I didn't have lacrosse practice, you were in full dress uniform, you were out for a two hour parade march review to the four star general who's a superintendent. And then the same thing before every football game on Saturday. All the rats were required to go to the football games. All, all kinds of requirements. So then at the, after the first semester, you went through what's called breakout, when you break out of the rat line. So they wake you up at like 3 a.m. Um, and I really skipped over Hell Week. Three hours maximum sleep, five-minute showers. Didn't get to, literally didn't get to say a word to anyone. You learn how to disassemble a weapon, how to march. How to, you know, get your head shaved. All, all that military <laughs> stuff that you need. Um, <laughs> and so you get back and you don't really know when you're going to break out. They never say it. They just all of a sudden kick in your door at like 3 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And they're like, get up, get your boots on, let's go. And it's like all these physical endurance exercises. And they no longer So it's not do all it. the kids at the same time. So one at a time you no, break no, no. out. Every, they, all the rats break out at the same time. The entire, the entire, freshman, the entire class, freshman class. Yes. But, you just but don't know it's when a it's 30% coming. attrition rate, I think, from the people that enroll and the people that break out. Wow. Oh, it's something crazy all like right, that. Right. It's nuts. Yeah. Like the first three cl- rat classes of, of females, none of them made it to graduation. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's something crazy. But they made it to break out. I don't, I don't know. Oh, I'm but they didn't sure. get it all the way through. Yes, yeah. but as long as you break out, you're considered an alumni. As long as you don't have an honor violation, which I'll try in detail really fast. <laughs> <laughs> so the end of breakout, basically, there's a hill. We broke out mid-February, and there's a big hill, 100 yards. They cut a three-foot hole in it, fill it with water, and then it's all in mud, and you have to army crawl up this hill. All the while, your mentor is pulling you back down, shoving mud in your mouth, in your ears, in your nose. And then you break out, and it's this big, yay, we're not rats anymore. And then you find out about like the regimental system, which is almost worse than being a rat. Because then you're like, I get to slack. And as soon as you slack, you get demerits. And so there's three different forms of punishment. If you can get demerits, if you get too many demerits, you can get what are called penalty tours. So let's say you sleep through a class. You'd get what's called a five, one, and five. So you'd get five demerits, five penalty tours, and one week of confinement. So five penalty tours means five hours of walking with your rifle, marching with your rifle on the weekend. And then confinement means you're not allowed to leave your room unless you're going to class or practice. So you wouldn't allow, be like allowed to like go. You're grounded. Right. Exactly. And so. In college. It's crazy. Yes. 
But like once you break out of the rat line, you're like, what am I gonna leave now? Right. <laughs> like I already went through the hardest no, part. It's like Demi Moore and G.I. Jane. Like, it's yeah, like yeah, I gotta out. fucking stick it out now, you know? So that was the thing. And then I was like, I'm in this crazy brotherhood of dudes. And it was yeah. like, I became like best friends with like my lacrosse buddies. And that was like the thing. It was like, we're all just a bunch of crazies. And then like I became like this socially awkward guy around girls like I didn't like I didn't know how to talk to anybody you know it's weird because then you start thinking you're like this weird like mutant person you know because you're not allowed to leave because then there's this big honor court thing that I'll detail because everybody finds this super interesting so (laughs) hell week you're there first week third day in two in the morning door gets kicked in get on the stoop right now and we all go out on the stoop it's pitch black in barracks and everybody in barracks is out on the stoop looking towards the courtyard. And these 12 guys march in full uniform, 2 a.m. And they stop right before there's like a a middle area. And one guy breaks off and he goes, cadet so-and-so broke the honor honor code by cheating on a math test or whatever last year. It was much more specific than this. (laughs) Uh, Cadet Jackson's name will never be spoken again in the four walls of barracks. He's disgraced the Institute today. And then boom, and then they walk out. So, just to give you a little example, so how things have changed. Breakout used to be that they would ice down the stairs and cadets would have to run up to their room. And people would like beat them with hangers and whips and whatever they could find. And that changed, obviously. And then I- Do not do that anymore? No, not anymore. And so, the honor court, that what used to happen, now the cadet, if there's an honor violation, you're not allowed to lie, cheat, or steal, nor tolerate those who do. Um, and anyway, so like no fake IDs, like no getting drunk and accidentally taking something from a 7-Eleven, which happened to a buddy of mine who was like captain of the soccer team, in a blackout, took a case of beer and then showed up on Monday and the cops had reported him and he's gone. So back in the day, what used to happen is that cadet that got accused and convicted through an actual court process by a secret court of students called the honor court. Wow. They like literally rip you out of bed in the middle of the night and interrogate you and find out the facts. Oh, and um, so these cadets used to, they used to have the entire core of cadets line up and the cadet would have to walk through and each cadet would turn their back on him oh. as he walked through. And then at the end of the line, he'd be stripped of his rank and and told to leave. Wow. But the suicide, this is all rumor, but the suicide rate was supposedly so high that they had to stop doing it that way. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Nuts. Yeah. So you, that is crazy, you, Tony. So you said it was right after 9-11. Yeah. So what was it like? Like, were there a lot of people that chose to go to school there because of that I, incident? I mean, it's pretty consistent no matter what. Um, not everybody, obviously, I didn't commission in the military. Not everybody has to commission in the military out of there. I'd say it's about 20 to 25% go into the civilian world. Uh-huh. But you can commission as an officer and in, in, into any branch from there. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was crazy. We had a guy in my company who was 22 who had done two tours in Iraq, came back, wow. and then went on the military's dying to VMI to get his college education. Wow. And is now out as a as a gay man, which I absolutely wow. love. Mm. But lived as a closeted gay man at this Isn't fucking that? crazy. So VMI. did you graduate? Yeah, yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Donald Rumsfeld was our graduation speaker. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, do you have any like fond memory? Do you like remember? Oh, this I was fucking our, love or is it, it just the people? But do you remember? Because do you remember finally because of how close you got with other guys yeah. trying to survive this? Or yeah. is there some of yeah, what like, was going on in the school yeah. that you really do remember fondly? I mean, a lot of it. For me, it's it's such a unique experience yeah. that everybody is always like, "What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> this guy? What? This is crazy!" Like, and that's the thing for me. It's like nothing in my life is going to be tougher than that crazy right. place I yeah. went to. True. I legitimately had like nightmares. I still do every <laughs> once in a while about the honor court coming in and yeah. being like, "We know you lied about your haircut," or like, right. "We know you." You know what I mean? Like, it's it was that it's that much that mm. paranoia, that fear. That sunken death before dishonor, you know, that big military wow. thing. Were you a nice older classman? I was oh, yeah. 100% a nice older classman. Okay. That was, like, not my bag. And as a matter of fact, I went, like, out of my way to, like, mess with people that picked on other kids. Because mm -hmm. oh, that just wasn't, like, yeah, ugh. Because there's just so... I mean, yeah, think I about... That. I always say it this way. Like, the guys that were the worst, like, think about meter maids. Right. Like yeah. legitimately. Yeah. Right. That's what it was. Like just people that were play. out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, and I saw it when I was a rat, you know, and I was quiet, but like, you know, like some of the people that, you know, weak pickoffs, some overweight girls and boys maybe that were in our group that, you know, maybe struggled with the PT that were just like, you know, easy to boom, pick right. off and, gosh, you know, oh, what, so you know. Sad. You fat cow, you know, you, oh, yeah, God. you don't belong here. You know, right. you don't belong, you know, that kind of stuff and whispering in their ear like, and it's just like, you want to turn around and be like, wow, get alive, you fucking loser. Right. You know what I mean? And, and it's just, for me, it's kind of good because in this industry, I feel like there's a lot of that too. There's a lot of those oh, people yeah. trying yeah. to pick you Power off. Power play. Yeah. yeah. Power play yeah. and pick you and off. You need to be mentally positions. prepared. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I, and I feel like, um, as far as dealing with people, like, the structure of that system, like, I love that it was like, if I got good grades and I worked hard and I followed these rules, I got this certain thing. And as far as L.A., like, it's not, it's not <laughs> like that at yeah, all, really, no, in no. a lot of ways. At least with the groundlings, you know, where we all know each other, most of us know each other from, it is like that. Yes. You can work hard and you can do this and yes. hopefully you work your way up the system. And that's kind of why, you know, I still to this day, I love... I love structure, I love getting up early and I do my thing yeah. and I make my coffee and then I get my workout and then I do this and then I, you know, I like to always have things like ducks right in a row. Yeah. But as far as like a school experience, and I know I'm going way, <laughs> way super duper long. That's all right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it was just, you know, it was nuts. But then I had a college experience too, you know, I mean, my favorite story ever is, you know, my buddies and I, we... We went off campus to go drinking one night. This like our junior year, me and my lacrosse buddies, my roommates, and we come back and we thought it was a great idea to get 40s at the <laughs> store before we crossed the threshold to go back on the parade deck, which was this like three football field size grass. And we're like, oh, we'll finish our beers before we get back to barracks. And as we're walking across the grass, we hear, hey, cadet, stop. And we turn and the campus cop was closing up the library. Oh. And he comes walking across. And so I told you guys the demerit system, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, So two of my, three of my roommates, I didn't go on this football trip, but on this football trip, an away football game, 
they got busted for having alcohol in their hotel room at an away football game <laughs> because that was temporary barracks right. because they were on a same rules apply school trip right so they got what's called an alcohol an A1 violation an alcohol violation which means 6 months confinement oh, like God. 60 penalty tours wow. and like 60 demerits so if you get two of those you're suspended for a semester at least mm. But can I just ask a real quick question? Yes. How many, what percentage of the student body were drinkers? Probably everybody. Probably everybody. That's <laughs> yeah, what I mean. Probably everybody. It's, right. You have that really strict policy. Yes, yes. But this was also the door, and then right at the beginning of the prescription after, pill yeah. epidemic, oh, too, right, right. Uh, which was like, cr- got yeah. started to get crazy. Oxycontin, Percocets, yeah. Vicodin, Adderall, Ritalin. That like was like, wow. boom, 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 boom. What do they you feel know? about prescription? Ooh, like if gotta, someone was prescribed. I know. That's, we got to finish this. I know, I know. So, so that was my jam. Um, <laughs> but we can that could be a whole other thing <laughs> so anyways we're crossing and this cop comes up and and I could see it my roommates were all like we're so fucked right now because they had already had an A1 they had already had an A1 and so the cop goes hey you guys having some fun tonight well looks like I'm gonna be writing all you guys up so he pulls his pad out there's five of us mm-hmm. in the second he pulls his pad out and looks up Boom! Two of my two of my roommates are full sprint in one direction, and as soon as he picks up his walkie to call his guy, hey, there's cadets or whatever, and then I look at the guy next to me, and we're boom in the opposite direction. Wow! And then he looks at the last guy, and he's boom another opposite direction. So this poor chubby cop is just like, oh, like I don't know what to do. And so I remember just like fucking like running as hard as I could possibly go. And we all like get back to the room and we're all like, oh my God, oh my God, what's going what's gonna to happen? And our friend was on the honor court. And I remember we all went and talked to him and we were like, we don't want to lie, but we can't get another violation. How can we make sure we, you know, if we want to plead the fifth, which you're not really allowed to do because you can still get in trouble for not giving information if you get interviewed right, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but we never got caught. Yeah, 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 which was awesome. Yeah, which is so cool. Um, which is so funny because you guys are probably in the most, like, the best shape of your life. Oh my and god! Like a security oh man, guard, yeah. You know. Division one lacrosse players, yeah. like good luck cop, any cop. I mean, yeah. like, give me a break. Maybe one of us barely, but I yeah. mean, this guy just totally would not have up. a chance. I mean, yeah. literally, I think he was just like, what? Oh, oh, damn man. it! Damn it! Wow. You know. Um, but yeah, like you know, steroids, pills, that whole nine mm. yards was just yeah. I mean, rampant. And rampant. are you still friends with some of the... Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of my... Yeah. Three of my five groomsmen were VMI oh, wow. guys. Wow. Yeah. 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 So my two roommates, those two yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And uh, and then my best friend, Rob, who literally I went through every grade with, except yeah. for sixth and our freshman year in college, we went to the same school. Wow. All the way senior year That's in so cool. Yeah. And he that. just got back from his third tour in Afghanistan. Really? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then my other buddy who I played lacrosse with, um, just he's now going to Wharton and did three tours as an officer in the SEALs. Whoa. God. Yeah. So it's just so a different just cool. A- and you did three world. seasons of School of Rock. There we go. Yeah. Almost the same thing as the Seals. But yeah. Basically the same thing. Yeah. And, and I vacationed to California in between my junior and senior year and just fell in love with it. My yeah. parents were getting divorced and I was just like, they're doing what they want to do. Yeah. I don't want to go in the military. I think I want to maybe try and move to California and be an actor. 
And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> After so, all that. Well, so, <laughs> but you, I guess you satisfied that for your dad in, in attending oh, that school. Oh, to- yeah, you totally. Lived that and, for him. and I, I yeah. A hundred percent. And I, yeah, this own like personal conquest of trying to do this thing. I like, I did it and passed with flying colors. And then it was like, all right, let's go on to the next crazy, stupid <laughs> endeavor, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, just being in LA now. Yeah. And I've run wow. into some other alumni, Fred Willard. Really? Really? Yeah. Fred went there. Yep, yeah. for two years. I met him once and told him I went to VMI, and he was like, I fucking hated that place. <laughs> I played two years of baseball, and then I left. <laughs> and then Dabney Coleman, another really? notable wow. graduate who really? I've had dinner with a few times, who's really sweet and has a full track scholarship there in his name. And wow. So is there like a, an alumni group in L.A.? There is. It's very small. Uh-huh. There's, uh, yeah, a very small contingent, but, you know, it's wow, it's very awesome. weird, yeah. Thank you for telling us. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry guys. Fifty minutes later. Asking questions. Sorry, Katya Duft. Welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. It's interesting that my story is kind of connected to yours, because <laughs> the beginning of the story it's pretty much like a military school, but for kids. Uh-huh. So imagine back. To 1983, 84, I was 7-8, I just started my elementary school, and it was the very end of the Cold War, uh, so still, you know, Americans enemies, and it's still only <laughs> 40 years after the World War II, which was a very painful event for the Soviet people, so every day we watch this on TV, you know, old war movies, so we always see enemy, okay, Germans enemy, German enemies, now American ones, no, American. so you're like surrounded <laughs> by all these enemies. Yeah. In school you yes. watch these movies? Yes, elementary oh. school. Every oh, day. Every, yeah, every. not every day, but it's, we had like history classes, and we had like politics classes, more like propaganda classes. <laughs> and She's for, doing air quotes over Yes, but, but for a seven or eight year old, you know, it's too much. And this was the 83 and 84? 83 and 84. I'm 1976. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, but nothing was as scary as this one day when in the middle of a class suddenly we hear this air raid siren mm-hmm. that we only hear in movies about World War Two, and mm-hmm. we're like, whoa! What's going on? And the teacher tells, come on, go, 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 go. We have a shelter downstairs. Run, run, run mm. to the shelter. So we all start crying because we think, oh, my God, the war started. Americans attacked. So we run <laughs> oh out with God. crazy oh eyes, weeping. And all our kids <laughs> laugh at us. They say, you stupid kids. No, it's just training. It's a drill. But it doesn't mean that Americans won't attack. But for right now, it's a drill. Oh, <laughs> and they sit us in the chairs and they said, kids, that's going to happen on a regular basis because we don't know. The politics haven't been very peaceful lately. So we'll also have to train you how to use gas masks, assemble, disassemble guns. Oh and we'll have to teach you how to shoot. What? I'm a seven-year-old girl. I don't wow. want to do this crap. Were you in Moscow? Or were uh, no, it's an area called Kamchatka on the other side of the Pacific, far east of Russia. It's actually really a similar climate to Alaska. Actually, Alaska had to be a part of Russia. In the yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like uh, cold, uh, long winters, mountains, volcanoes, stuff like that. Okay. Very fascinating climate and also the other side of the Pacific. Um, but at the time, it was still, you know, Soviet Union, so we watched TV, we saw this politics. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> once a week, we started having this so-called uh, civilian defense class, 
When you show up and they put a mask, a gas mask on you, this one that makes you look like an elephant, the green one, with oh. a long pipe oh, yeah. that goes to this collector, and you just sit in it for like 15 minutes. Though once I had a detention, I was punished by a teacher, I had to sit in it for an hour. Whoa. As a punishment. So oh when my dad my came God. to pick me up, I was like crying tears of sorrow in that <laughs> mask because it was stinky. Yeah. Like rubbery stinky. <laughs> oh <laughs> Besides that, we also had to, you know, uh, use the other one called the respirator. It's uh, white and you just put it around your face and you sit in it too and you pretty much learn how to use it, where to run, where to hide. And again, at seven, that's not something you want to know. No. Yeah. But the worst thing was assembling and disassembling a gun because a rifle, it, I mean, it was still lighter than the usual one for a kid, but this whole procedure of doing and undoing it, it wasn't fun at all. And we had to do it like it was a competition who does it faster. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you, whoever did it fastest had to, you know, got an A and stuff like that. I don't think I ever got an A because it was <laughs> so, always pretty hard. But the worst part was having to shoot these paper targets with little black pellets. And to me, I was like, I think you can kill with this shit. But they told us, no, no, you can never kill with it, but you can actually, you can get like, you can get wounded with that. And my two of my classmates didn't believe me. So once I was shooting and I didn't do a very good job, I think I was a little bit outside the target. And one of them said, I dare you, my friend, run when she shoots. And when I was shooting, one of the boys ran and they took some skin off his face and off his shoulder. <laughs> and uh, he was bleeding. All Wait, with your pellets? Yeah, you ended up shooting him? Yes, because, yes, because he ran right across, for, uh, he ran through the target when I was shooting. <laughs> I'm guessing that would never have happened to be a lie. Nope. No. no. You didn't have no accidental shooting? No, but then we remember, were M16. Seven, so. seven, eight years old, the teacher told us, don't ever do this because you can't get like you can get hurt yeah. but you wouldn't be killed so a seven-year-old boy thought oh how if i don't if get killed that's get... perfect oh, uh, who, i don't mind a little bit of blood yeah. right but he ran through and there was so much blood on the floor and i started crying and said it's not my fault and of course i didn't get punished it wasn't me i was just doing my lesson yeah. And after that, <laughs> honestly, lesson. 30 years later, and I still don't like shooting. I yeah. never like, if my friends go shooting, I never go, because I still have this memory mm. that, you know, some stupid kid ran across and I almost killed him, didn't quite, but, you know. <laughs> so that was a little traumatizing, right? But next year, thank God, there, there was a end to it because Gorbachev became our president yeah. and the uh, Cold War ended. So we didn't have to do the civil defense anymore, thank God. And, um, but one other thing that all girls did in Soviet schools were uh, learning how to play piano. And I really didn't want it. And my dad was an opera singer and he said, hey, you oh. have to keep the family tradition and play music. So he, <laughs> he sent me to a music school and I really didn't, enjoy it but I would do it because my parents told me so and this is something you probably can't imagine as well but uh Russian teachers some of them didn't mind a little bit of physical punishment mm. and uh, if it was light most parents would probably be on board with that mm -hmm. but my music teacher was out of the ordinary not <laughs> she was just like telling me hey your hands are not good like 
put them in a different position. She would, she would do this. She would just like hit me on the hand. She would hit me on the neck. Mm. She would punch me in the back and say, "Why straighten your back, retard? Straighten your oh, back!" Whoa! And I think this is out of control, even for like the Soviet Union that was very traditional with punishments, like old time punishments. So I came to my mom and I said, "Hey." Mom, I really want to complain, but my teacher has been actually punching me hard and pulling my hair and telling me I'm a retard. And my mom is like, ha, ha, ha. I know, you're making stories up because you don't want to study music. Aww. And parents never believe kids, right? Especially nine-year-olds. And I'm like, you really don't want to I do hope that. that's not true. <laughs> I know, I mean, I was making up a lot of stories as a child, so my mom thought that's one of my stories. Ah. <laughs> Anyways, so I said, okay, if you don't believe me, come with me, stand behind the door. So my mom comes to school, stands behind the door, like looks at me playing, and I think my teacher was in a particularly shit mode that day. <laughs> so not she just like was punching me in the back and calling me retard. She also like grabbed my hair and started saying, "You need to see a psychiatrist. I'm talking to you. Why aren't you talking to me? I'm telling you, straighten your back." And that was like, wow. Even my mom was like, wow. So she flies in and she says, what are you doing with my child? I'm going to report you. So she reports her. And then the same day, my parents pull me out of a music school and they say, no. I mean, that's not the kind of education we want you to get. No, this is too much. So that they felt super guilty and they tell me, what do you want to do for hobbies? If you don't want to do music, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to do skiing. <laughs> which was way more fun but to become a professional I started at 6 but they only let me do it by 10 anyways I did oh, it for what? my own pleasure <laughs> and then in around 1990 the Soviet Union started completely collapsing and uh, everybody was poor we were, like sometimes we had very little food and at this worst moment ever my parents decided to move across the country so I leave all my friends and we moved to a small town near Moscow and after doing sports for four years, I was very in very good shape, but I also had very short hair. <laughs> and I was a little bit like, you know, boy, boyish. So I show up at my new school, and all the girls have long hair, makeup, you know, they're all like girly, girly. And they all ready to go out on dates. So the school I got into, it wasn't a very traditional school, it was actually very liberal. So all kids started having sex at like 12, some girls were getting pregnant. Very liberal. And it was, I mean, for the Soviet Union, it was outstandingly liberal, and they never got an explanation what was wrong with the school, and they explained to me that it was just not in a very good neighborhood. But I had to go there just because my, my parents, like, my parents' place was right over there in a little bit of a better neighborhood, but still I was obliged to go to that one school. So I show up the 1st of September completely grumpy because I have to leave all my friends and all these girly girls meet me at um, at the door and they're like, are you a girl or a boy? I say, I'm a girl. <laughs> they're like, no, you're so ugly. <laughs> You'll never get a boyfriend. So I'm like, oh, that's a nice welcome to school. <laughs> so anyways, during first two weeks, kids barely talk to me. And every time I want to answer a teacher's question, they're like, ah, show off. So it's <laughs> like complete bullying for about a Aww. month. And I'm like, how do I fight this? Even though I'm a little bit of a fighter because I do sports, I'm not used to this because yeah. everybody's my friend. I smile at everybody. <laughs> and I tell my parents, can I go to a better school? And they're like, no, not until this um, school year ends. So figure out a way to get along with children. Oh, 14 year olds, uh, teenagers. <laughs> so I'm like, I really don't know what to do. But one day, I mean, this decision was made for me. 
Uh, we all had to wear uniforms, and uh, since it was poor times for the country, we couldn't afford to buy like five sets of it. So I had two sets that I would alternate. And at the chemistry class, there was one girl who particularly hated me, and he was t who was telling me, "You will never ever get a boyfriend. You are completely like a terror on earth. You are so disgusting." And she was telling it in a similar Terrible. voice too. So, anyways, this dragon lady. She <laughs> at, a, at one of the chemistry classes, I finally I start feeling something on my arm, and I realized that she sprinkles acid at me. <gasps> oh my God! Yes, yes, we were. Doing like acid, uh, acid uh, experiments, whatever. So we were trying to create acid out of other elements, and uh, it was supposed to stay contained in a glass. But what she was doing, she took like a little bit of I don't oh. know a brush maybe, and with a brush she was sprinkling it on me, and the whole thing just completely ruined my uh, the sleeve of my uh, jacket, Beautiful. and it also burnt my skin. And oh of course, God. in the middle of this class, I started like weeping because it's a complete humiliation not only i can't afford new uniform other kids are laughing and the teacher doesn't know how to react and said who did that why why what's happening with your uniform run to the nurse because you have a bird <laughs> and other kids are like laughing oh and i'm like oh my god if i can hate the school i'm going to set it on fire <laughs> so, but of course i can't set it on fire but so i'm on my way out of the school i'm trying to come up with a plan and uh, all the kids before leaving the school after the class they have to gather on the first floor and put their shoes back on um, because i think it was october and you're supposed to wear something else at school so you know the cleaning ladies don't have to do too much work and all these kids putting the shoes on and kind of laughing at me at the corner and this girl shows up and she points at me and he's like hey, hey, i got you and at this moment, I'm like, okay, that's when I lost it. So she was much shorter than I, a tiny blonde girl. So I grab her, I lift her in the air, and I hit her body against the wall. Oh, and wow. on the wall, we had this huge like schedule timetable of the lessons. Yeah. It was covered by the glass. So it falls on the floor with a huge bang. She falls on the floor. There is blood, like shards of glass, yes. huge explosion <laughs> of something. Yeah. And the principal runs down. He's like, what did you do? What happened? She's like, she hurt me. She broke my back. I'm like, look what she did to me. And he looks at my red arm and he's like, whoa, whoa, that's intense. You got to go to the hospital. So I run home crying and I tell my parents, I'm never going to school again. I, I just hit a girl. And my parents, ha, ha, ha. Go to school tomorrow. They'll respect you. They'll respect you. I'm like, no way I'll be fucking kicked out. No, no, go, just go. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Next day I show up at school. Nobody says anything. They look at me kind of like... And then the worst girl in class, the worst behaved girl in class comes up to me and she's like, I'm going to sit with you from now. <gasps> wow. I think you're kind of cool. She's like, you have balls. You have balls. I like you. I like you. Later on, this girl became a famous prostitute. <laughs> Wait, a famous prostitute. A famous prostitute. A famous famous. Yeah. Infamous. Infamous. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you call it. Yeah, she was well known in certain circles. <laughs> I'm just telling you where kids went from the school <laughs> and I was like wow and boys from this class came up to me and they're like hey let's go on a smoke break with us we like you you're kind of cool we hate this bitch too it's, it's a very <laughs> yes. somebody needed to teach this bitch a lesson I'm like wow 
how? So in this climate, <laughs> I survived the entire six months of the school, and oh then I told God. my parents, you know what? The school is too harsh for me. Can I go to a good one if you want me to get into college? And my parents said, yeah. We think that's a good choice, but they're like, see, sometimes that's how you teach people a lesson. If you're too nice to them, they don't understand. You have to fucking punch them. <laughs> <laughs> and that agrees with my parents. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's a little bit, yes. That's intense. a great story. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. That was fantastic. I know. All right, Brian. What? That's it. That's Just it. That's over to Brian. <laughs> over oh to Brian. My God. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'm 54, so I'm a bit older than everyone here. So I guess I was in a slightly different time. So let's see. I grew up. I'm Jim Henson's son. I had four brothers and sisters. We were a bit of a circus family, and um, we were a little bit oddball. But my anyway. And then when my father became famous, the Muppets were famous way before my father was. So we didn't have sort of that fame sort of thing in the house. Um, but then it did catch up when he did the, um, the first American Express card commercial. You may not know me, but you know of me. Mm. And it was my, anyway, so then he became famous. So somewhere in there, um, let's see, I, well, I went to the Ferris Bueller school. <laughs> you did? Yes, I did. Basically, I went to Byram Hills School district. I started. Let's see. I I did a little Montessori when I was real young, which I don't even really remember. My mother was involved with it. I just remember I had to move. I had done second up to second grade in Montessori, and then I had to move to a public school system because we moved from Greenwich, Connecticut, to uh, Bedford, New York. And uh, I was like six years ahead in half of the in half <laughs> of the subject, but because I was like a year or two behind in a couple, it was like I had to stay back. So then I went second grade again. And now I was in the public school system. And it really was just like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I was in the suburbs of America. Um, it, what, what was the dates then? It was uh, 70s. Uh-huh. It was uh, mid, like early to mid-70s. I eventually went to boarding school. But during that time, I was in a very like normal public school system. And actually, it was all like a holdover from the 50s in, in that we had the greasers, uh-huh. we had the jocks, <laughs> they had rumbles after wow. school. Absolutely. <laughs> like, it's crazy. It's like, yeah, like literally, like it was like Grease the movie, but 20 years later. So where, yeah, where I was, it was, it was, and yeah, it was, we had, it was an odd mixture. It was a, it was a pretty big Jewish population. The parents were commuting, working, commuting to the city, but then a big police, like Italian police family district. Anyway, so you'd had the greasers and the jocks and everybody was fighting. And then the other, I was always one of the other. Um, <laughs> I never really knew what that was. Um, what defined my childhood was every year I had a crip. Was, so school was important. I was a good student and everything. And I was pretty good in sports and stuff. But I always had a crippling crush. Mm. That was my entire Aww. childhood. Every year I had a crippling crush. Aww. Crippling. <laughs> so I, I barely talked to the girl that I had a crush Aww. on. And, um, but it would rule you, even though you had no interaction. It would rule me, yeah. even though I couldn't even talk to her. <laughs> right. Even though I couldn't sit near her, even yeah. though I couldn't go near her. Um, and it would reset on the summer for whatever reason. Oh, so and it would just fickle. reset. And then I'd come back to school and it would be like, <laughs> like another one. I would be like, oh, God, I can't believe it. So that was what defined my childhood. And then Muppets fame. And then my dad started working in London. The Muppet Show was in London. And, um, 
And I went to London, and this probably the summer breaks, I guess, when he was when he was doing the Muppet Show in the first season. And um, at the time, I thought the British are like the meanest people in the world. I thought the <laughs> English people are the meanest people in the world. I was just like a normal American, fourteen-year-old kid. And my dad would say, would have, be, we'd go to where the Muppet Show was shooting, and it would be, the other crew members would say, oh, my daughter's the same age as, as, as you, Brian, and she's going to go to have, a, she's having a party, why don't you come over? And, and so these sort of like social things would be created for me. And I thought, they're the meanest people in the world. They're just <laughs> all mean. They just all hate me. In retrospect, I then went back and moved to England. In retrospect, they were all just being ironic, and I didn't get it. <laughs> At 14, I had no idea. It was a typical American. What? What do you mean by that? They're all just teasing. They were probably flirting with me, and I thought they were. Anyway, I was so concerned. And they were. And so my dad said, well, we're moving to England for the Muppet Show. And I said, I'm not moving. I can't, I can't move to England. So um, I decided to go to boarding school. Which is not a normal. You made the choice. I made a choice to go to boarding school because wow. it was like I'm going to go to England and enroll in the American school in Swiss Cottage, which is what my brother did, and um, or I could go to boarding school. So I decided in the to, U.S. Yeah, so yeah. I decided to go to boarding school, and um, and I, I I only visited maybe two or three boarding schools, but my sister was going to Harvard. And the main school to output to Harvard, well, not the main school, but a school that tends to output a lot to Harvard is Phillips Academy Andover. So I went to Phillips Academy Andover. So I went from Ferris Bueller's school uh-huh. to then Phillips Academy Andover, the oldest high school in America. And um, wow. yeah, America the Beautiful was written by a student at Andover yeah. <laughs> while at Andover. So my big school thing is high school and, uh, and specifically the, the Andover uh, experience and I was one of those kids that never never went to sleepaway camp um, no I guess I did once for soccer for a little bit because I'm a big soccer player um, I went we had day day camp my brother I stole my, my brother and I escaped from day camp when I was like seven and he was <laughs> five and a half wow. and yeah because they were gonna make us swim and my brother didn't want to swim but I didn't want to swim and they were throwing us in the pool and I was so angry and I grabbed my brother and I said we're going and we jumped the fence and he was five and I was seven and we we ran like four or five miles home and oh, my mother wow. was so upset with us and we came back so she never sent us to camp again so I really had not been away from home really at all and then I went to boarding school so, and it was Phillips Academy Andover. It was mostly, it was a, it's a, it was a cool school and it was a really weird time. But it's the old, like I said, oldest high school in America, very proud school, steeped in tradition and yet not in that very New Englandy way, particularly at that time. So I went in 1978 and America was actually becoming more conservative. It was wildly liberal in the mid-70s. Yeah. Like wildly liberal. Like, they, when I arrived, I remember they said, oh, we have to wear shoes now. I was like, <laughs> it's Phillips Academy Andover. It's like the, like, it's, this is like the, supposedly like the hardest school in America. It's like, and, but you could, you didn't have to wear shoes. No, you didn't have to wear shoes. And they closed the bar. And I was like, the bar? <laughs> the bar at the high school. Only the seniors were allowed to go, of course. But it's like. Really, there was a bar here? <laughs> so, so that was when I got there, was as America was turning towards being um, much more, con- well, starting to get more and more conservative. But, um, 
But boarding school was kind of wild. It was, it, everybody was kind of terrified. And, <laughs> but we didn't have to do what VMI had to do, what Tony had to go through. I, it was, it, you know, generally it was a lot of pressure. Um, they, I, I look back at Andover and I think Andover made me functional. So I, I owe Andover a lot. And actually, almost all of my friends went to Andover. They're, they're very, very, very high-functioning people. And, <laughs> well, you're like, excusing them. Like, they're very, very high-functioning. <laughs> no, well, and, but part of it was we would, we would, in every, and they would say, they said it at the, in the very first year, the guy, the, whatever, our counselors would say, here's the thing about Andover. You're going to take five courses. Every course is going to have an hour and a half of homework. You're going to get quizzed on your homework. Your grade is going to come from your quizzes. And it's like, that adds up to seven and a half hours. And they're like, that's right. And nobody can do seven and a half hours of homework. So you're going to have to figure it out. And it was like, whoa, what does that mean? And then you did have to figure it out. It was like your roommate would be like, if you do the physics, then then you can tell me quickly what it was and I can sort of cram it in. I'll do the English. So you had to just sort of... And their whole theory was... is well, leaders have to do you have to have way more workload than you can ever actually handle and um and that kind of worked but it was also (laughs) it was also extremely stressful Uh, but getting through andover really what i mostly remember is the crippling crush (laughs) i still still had the crippling crush yeah totally Totally, who I never talked to and never really... Well, I would talk to them. I, I think I got as far as talking to them, probably, by the time I <laughs> well, got to Well, you were learning. I would, yeah. yeah. You were growing. Yeah, I got a little bit further. Well, then I, the next crippling crush after Andover, I married. That was my first oh, wife. So I did Success. finally, I was finally able to talk to them. Aww. But, um, but uh, you know, it was the cool thing... And the scary thing about Andover, and it probably is still true in boarding schools, is the 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 adults and the teachers, they have no idea what's going on. There really is. It really is. What's happening amongst the student body happens amongst the student body, and nobody tells what's going on to the to the teachers and to the faculty. Mm-hmm. And it really held. It really held true, which is a little bit scary because the stuff that could go on between the kids and the it could be kind of weird and scary stuff. There was, you know, there wasn't, you know what's interesting? There wasn't anything that people thought there might be. You see here, I'm not sharing my bad stories because actually there there weren't a lot. There was a, there were drug issues. There were issues. There were sometimes occasional suicidal student, but not, you know, but not often. But there was none of the, I know what you boys get up to at boarding school. And it was co-ed. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah. It had been co-ed for a while. It used to be there was a uh, Abbott Academy and Phillips Academy were next to each other, and then Abbott was um, for the girls, and Phillips was for the boy, boys, and then they changed it into all one campus about probably seven years before so, I went. So you chose to be there, but there must have been kids that did not want to be there. It was interesting. If you really did not want to be there, you'd go. You you would be gone because you'd fail out very uh-huh. very quickly. And and a lot of kids did did fail out because uh-huh. you really you really did have to work hard. It was an interesting environment because it was pretty liberal. They kind of let you have quite a lot of leeway. A lot of kids were breaking out and sneaking around the campus late at night. Faculty didn't know, yeah. but there was there was a lot of that going on. But if you couldn't stay on top of the work, you were out. And, mm-hmm. and so a lot of kids were 
every yeah. some, every trimester we had trimesters then and every trimester there were kids that didn't didn't mm. come back did your class trimester. just get smaller and smaller or new kids came in no no, no just the opposite it um it because andover is it's such a good prep school for for college and actually a lot of the a lot of the kids were like from new york city a lot from san francisco but a whole lot of the kids were New England schooled, which is you go to just any old school up through middle school, and then you go to boarding school. That's sort of a track. That's why there's so many boarding schools in, in New England, because the, the public school systems are really not great, generally speaking, throughout New England. So the parents didn't really care as long as they then place them in a good boarding school. So a lot of kids were on, on, that, on that track. Um, but uh, oh, now I don't remember where I was. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, the in secrets. The <laughs> secrets. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Well, no, I can't talk about the secrets because they were secrets, Lord. And they wouldn't be secrets. No, but it's um, it was so it, it took a lot of work. I mean, one of the one of the weirdest things when I tell people and they go, "Really? Okay, so this will sound like it was hell," and surprisingly, it wasn't. <laughs> but it sounds like hell. Well, and the other thing, I mean, it was, it was so scary. Everybody would come back at the beginning of the trimester, and everyone was sick for a week, just sick. You couldn't eat the food and everything. It was just, it was just hard. And the kids, I would always be a, dorm, a, a house proctor, always. No, my senior year, I was a house proctor. I don't think you could be a proctor before that, which meant I was looking after the young kids, which mostly meant what I had to do was give, give them the courage to take a shower. <laughs> and, and it was happening with all it was like they could they had come from such closed households they couldn't take their clothes off in front Whoa, of other people so yeah. it was so I would often have to go okay you smell so bad you don't understand you smell so bad <laughs> and this is what I'm gonna do I'm oh, gonna stay gosh. up I'm gonna I'm gonna wake you up at two o'clock in the morning I'm gonna settle I'm gonna wake you up and you go in and shower and I'm gonna sit in the hall and make sure oh, nobody goes in the bathroom so until they get so used sweet. to the shower because yeah. it was sweet. really yeah. yeah, it was tough. It was it was tough on them. Boarding school stuff. Okay, drown proofing. We all got drown proofed. So for some reason, <laughs> that's a thing. That's no, a thing? it's not for some reason. Yeah, there was a student who had drowned Oof. after after Andover, and their parents had developed a drown proofing curriculum that was quite extraordinary, and then basically convinced Andover to present it to to all the student body. So you had to be drown proofed before you could graduate. <laughs> and no, I'm, I'm gonna tell you the truth. Okay. This is actually what the final um, test was for drown proofing. They tied your hands together behind your back. They tied your what? feet together. What? And then they tied your feet to your hands, but behind you, but with a little bit of slack. Dumped you in a 12 foot deep pool for an hour. That was the test to, oh, to drown proof. <laughs> Wait. Wait. So wait, because I thought the way to like survive, survive is to like float on your yeah. chest yep. and then you come up and breathe and you float on your chest. But if your hands and no, your you legs... can still do it even with your. It is that Whoa. is basically the idea, but you can still do it even with your hands oh, tied behind your back. So but it so was. You did that? Oh yeah, actually we all did. I think we pretty much all did. Okay. By the time to you get there, just to give you... people that are listening some context, Katya looks shocked. <laughs> <laughs> and she was a seven-year-old at seven. At seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thrown in a pool for an hour of hog time. <laughs> I didn't learn how to swim until eleven. Oh, yeah. so no, I'm <laughs> uh, The drown proofing. Yeah, it was. Um, 
<laughs> it was it terrified all of us. But then as you got into it, and you, it was learning a technique. There's a technique where you hold your breath, your face down, even if you have your, even if you've lost your arms or if they're tied behind your back, your face down. There's a movement that you do with your spine that brings the your mouth above water. I'm feeling all this. And then you breathe, and then you, and then it's just di disciplining your heart to slow down, mm -hmm. to stay calm, and and actually, once you really got the hang of it. It was kind of very relaxing. But nonetheless, when we took the exam, there were four lifeguards. And several kids would always have to be pulled up to yeah. the surface. And then they'd have to start again. The amount of challenges that life throws at you, like, drown proofing is not the thing we need to educate all the people on. Like, oh. That's crazy. Going back, so for me, Andover's everything because then I didn't go. I didn't go on to college. I mean, I did. I I went on, but I went to the wrong college. I was I was interested. I was astrophysics. I was taking astrophysics in Andover, which was cool at high school, and um, and I was great at fine arts. Fine arts was sort of what I was just sort of natural at. So. I went to University of Colorado because they had satellites in orbit. I was also a skier, and I liked the idea of skiing. And I hated University of Colorado. I hated it, and um, and transferred after six months, and then delayed my transfer to do a movie in London. And then I did another movie, and then another movie. So then I what never. What are the movies, Brian? Don't no, not. No, I was just a puppeteer. You won't even know them, probably. Well, the first one maybe some people know. It's called Return to Oz. It was like it was this really cool yeah, dark Wizard of Oz movie. Yes, many people. Feruza Bonk vehicle. Feruza was there, and um, I played Jack Pumpkinhead in that, and I was puppeteer, and I was a technical puppeteer because that was something I had done with my dad. I would do like the effects puppets and stuff. Like I did the bicycle sequence. In uh, the Muppets, whenever the Muppets were riding bicycles, I usually did all that. It was marionetting off of a crane, and it, wow. you know, it took a, a lot of, but it was fun. And so, <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, I did return to Oz, and then, and then I was gonna go to Wesleyan. I was transferring to Wesleyan, and then I was like, I got another movie, which was a real good movie called Santa Claus. A movie. It was not a very good movie. <laughs> Nobody knows it. And we had reindeer. That reindeer were puppets, and so. Um, so I did that. So I, I said to Wesley, and I'll come next semester, next semester. Anyway, I never went. I never went and finished. I kept getting another movie, another movie. And before you knew it, I had I had like four people working for me. And, and I was, <laughs> it was like really cool. And then I said to Wesley, and I'm just, I'm just not coming. Yeah. And, and, and then my dad died when I was 26, yeah. and I had to take over the company. So maybe in some ways it's good that I was not three years out of college. Maybe it was good yeah. that I was seven yeah. or eight years in the workforce. But um, but Andover, yeah. I mean, what always surprises me is how stupid we were as kids. I did this thing where I, my mother drove, she drove up. My family were basically in England. They were living in England, but we still had the house in Bedford, New York. And so she had gone to pick up some stuff for me that I wanted from the house. And she'd driven it up to the campus, but then she had to fly to London, so she just left the car. And I was like, well, what do I do with the car? And we, <laughs> we're not allowed to have cars. Students aren't allowed to have cars. And I was, kids are so, we're, you know, I was a smart kid. I was 16. I'm a smart kid. I just started moving this car around rural <laughs> streets around the campus. Like, literally, I would sneak out and drive the car like a mile, oh, park it in yeah. some trees, and then run back to the campus. And then the next day, and then one day the dean calls me into the office and says, Brian. I said, yes. I said, 
Toyota Celica. Blue Toyota Celica. And I said, what? 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 <laughs> um, registered to your mother? Really? You don't know what you're talking about. They're like, you know, Brian, if you move a car every night to rural places where nobody parks a car, the police do end up tracking it and wondering what the heck is going on. And I'm like, as a kid, I was like, Really? The police notice that? People notice when people park outside their house when they live two miles from the nearest neighbor? So like, it was, I was such an idiot. I mean, the other thing, that I actually had to go back, um, which is kind of funny, because I didn't finish college, because I only went for a little bit. Um, there was a, at Andover, year, this is now years later, and I'd run, I'd taken over my father's company, and, and we'd done pretty darn well. And... Um, and we, you know, we were, it was a successful company again. And Andover asked me to go do the all school uh, address, mm-hmm. which every year. And so, um, when, like, when I was there, my senior year, it was George Bush Sr. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So it was always been like big, like Very prestigious. big, big shots. Yeah. So, and they just had Colin Powell. And they asked me to go do it. And I was like, what are you talking about? Why do you want me? Said, we've just, we've got so, the kids are feeling so much pressure to get into Ivy League schools. They're committing suicide. We've got like a oh, huge wow. problem with the pressure. Oh, that, so and sweet. we want a successful alum who didn't go to college. Yeah. So I was like, oh, great. So I'm a college dropout. I'm a college dropout. All school uh, uh, taught speaker. So so I went and, and that was really interesting to yeah. follow after Colin Powell and do the all school address. But um, uh, mostly, I, I can't even really re- particularly remember what, what I said to them, but, I, but mostly what I said is, you, you know, be careful about the way per- people perceive you. Honestly, all these kids, and they were still doing the most of why I wanted to say, they were still doing it when I went, whatever it was, 15 years later. They walk around campus in dark glasses at night thinking nobody knows they're stoned. And it, was like, <laughs> and it was like, I had to say it out loud to them. I was like, you know, you're all walking around dark glasses at night. Everybody knows you're stoned. <laughs> like, in case you didn't realize it. We all honestly thought, if they can't see your red eyes, you're okay. It's like, yeah, no, the dark glasses at night don't really work. But, um, but honestly, looking back, Andover was really, really hard. And probably with... with um, with boarding school, I think most I think most people have the same sort of feeling. You kind of you you love it and you hate it, <laughs> and some people end up hating it more than they loved it. Um, I ended up loving it more than I hated it, but there was a lot of really tough things about it. But but you end up very close to the to the to the. It's, there is something about knowing people from that young age, and when I get back together with. Um, with kids that I went to boarding school with, particularly, I'm far closer to them than the kids mm. that I went to public school mm-hmm. with before boarding school, and closer than all of the people I worked with, even early yeah. in my career when I was really young. There's, there's, and, and I guess I, I'm thinking when Tony's talking about VMI, it's like God, it's, they put you in such a tough situation that I think it makes you closer yeah. to people. Mm-hmm. Now, Andover was nothing like VMI. It was a different kind of yeah. impossible pressure that they were putting. They were putting an impossible academic pressure on us, um, but it did did make us uh, very very close. And it's something that you you know to me, my Andover uh, friends are still my best friends even even as an adult but I also didn't go to college so so for me I don't have a alma mater that is college for me it's all Landover it's all that that boarding school but then what was crazy is I didn't go to England because they're all so mean 
which I now in retrospect think they were probably hitting on me. Honestly, the same girls at 16 oh, that I no. thought hated yeah, me, I think that I think yeah. I think oh. that no no no, this is this is when I when I went to when I went in season one of Muppet Show to London and, uh. and realized they're 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 so mean that I can't the kids are so mean I have to go to boarding school. I think they were flirting with me, oh. but it's the English yeah, dry, dry, ironic, and yeah. I was just a sort of dumb upstate New York kid yeah. who I just thought, what, you really think that? <laughs> I, was, I thought they were all being mean. So then my whole family moves back, after Andover, my whole family moves back to Bedford, New York. I go to Colorado for six months, and then that first movie gig that I got was in England. I was like, ugh, I'm not, really, I'm gonna go to England? And um, I only went because there was a girl there that I had met once for one evening in Paris. I thought, I'm going to go audition for this movie (laughs) just so that I can see this girl again. And she was my first wife. And then I ended up... That's how I... Yes, Ellis. So I went to go do this audition for a movie with no plans to do the movie at all. But they called me and said, we've got this really technical... This was Return to Oz. We've got this really technical thing. Will you come do it? And I was like, I hate England. Um, but I met this girl in Paris who for one night who lives in in England and um, so I went just and I thought I'll never get the part anyway I got the part and then and then she and I ended up together and then I and then we were engaged when I was 19 and in Ellis's defense she's Scottish so Sorry, like, we were in England. Yeah, but she, no, she's Scottish. She's right. a, of a warmer group of people. I guess. I don't know. This, I don't know. This, are the Scots warm? I don't know, but, but I'm yes. going to make you end your story. Yay! <laughs> wow. Danny. Danny Moore. Hello, everyone. Hello. 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 Um, my stories are definitely way less intense than everyone else's. Um, but I went to, uh, in seventh grade, I went to an all-girls Catholic school. Um, And I had gone to public school since, you know, before then. And um, a friend of mine since second grade, we both went together. So, and we're still friends now, um, which is great. I love her. And her name is also Danny. Oh, we're twins. Um, (laughs) So, but we went to this school together. But when we went, we didn't get in any classes together. And she was the only person I knew and vice versa. Uh, And there were just a group of kids that, girls that went, that all went to elementary school together that knew each other. So it just seemed like we didn't know anyone. And again, we were coming from a public school. We now had to be in uniforms. We now had no boys. So it was a very, it was a very big change for us. Also religious school. Why did you change? My my dad wanted me to go to a private school. That was it. There was no, like it wasn't a religious thing. It just was like he wanted me to go to a private school. And that was it. So I went. Still in your hometown? Yeah. Same. We didn't even move. It just was like a decision. And again, it was like, you're in seventh grade, so it's that middle school age where puberty is hitting and you're leaving all your friends. It just is a weird age, too, to leave your friends that you've been in school with since, you know, kindergarten, basically. So it just was like a weird transition. I was very against it. Um, and then again, to get into the school and then the only person you knew was not in one class with you. So it you felt I felt 
really lonely and at lunch we just immediately were like oh my god (laughs) how are your first four classes like what happened um and so we both were like okay we need to make friends because like no one is friends with us we're like what's our game plan so like we had just seen titanic so we're like what if we like act out titanic together and like people will be like oh my god they're interesting so we basically Danny and Danny. Yeah, Danny and Danny <laughs> would at lunch reenact scenes from Titanic because there was this little walkway that had I don't know what it was. Something that looked like the edge of the ship where you could do the I'm king of the world. So we're like, let's do it. So we did it. And then we also we were reenacting the miracle worker too. I, I don't know why. Like I don't I'm mixing the two, the Titanic yes, and the Yes, Titanic order. and the Miracle <laughs> I don't know why. And we're like, people will like look at us and be like, ooh, there's something interesting. So we just reenacted that for day. I'm talking about not just a day, for days we would do this at our lunch break. And no one would talk to us. Shocker. <laughs> well, what would um, like they would just walk by you? Yeah, like they would look, like some people would be like, huh, laugh, like, <laughs> But then there would be this one shy girl who like would kind of like laugh at us and we're like, let's be friends with you. And so we kind of like dragged her into our friend group of now three because she kind of like was in both of our class. So we finally made a friend. And um, later on when we did, when we evolved past, you know, reenacting the miracle worker in Titanic and we were making more friends, um, we it just ah, it was an interesting <laughs> transition from even in elementary school like it was very um cuz i grew up in an area that was wealthier so um if there was like a trend a clothing trend like if you you had you went to school wearing those clothes like something that was really trendy and if you didn't have it you were kind of like shunned. So going to a school now where you wore a uniform every day was again, a very different thing. So slowly it kind of became like, oh, this is actually awesome. Like I can wake up 15 minutes before I have to go to school and basically like roll out of bed, not shower, not do anything and just put on my uniform I've been wearing for the past five days and go to school (laughs) so it it was kind of like a freeing thing because nobody cared what they looked like nobody cared that nobody like nobody showered nobody no no one to impress at all so it was kind of awesome and it, it was in a weird way like I I remained friends with a couple people who went to the public high school and I always think about god what if I went there I would have been, I know for a fact I would have been a completely different person because I feel like I I was able to, I seemed really immature in high school, but I feel like I was actually at the maturity level you should be in high school, whereas like everyone who went to the public high school, they were already having sex. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> sex, what the heck? Like, I can't even imagine doing that. Like, it just was like... A crazy thing that I know I wouldn't be ready for, right. but if I had gone to this, I know for a fact you I would have. Yeah. yeah, and other things too. And I know I just wouldn't have been ready, and it would have just like warped my mind. So in a lot of ways, I'm really grateful for you know kind of going there and being able to um, 
not have to go past my maturity level, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, thinking back, like, when we were talking about schools, and I have my yearbooks here because I thought, you know, podcast, I should bring visual aids. <laughs> um, I was just looking at, you know, pictures and just jogging my memory. And it is when you go through high school, I don't know, for me anyways, you're like, oh, this is normal. This is my high school experience. But then when you think back, you're like, oh, my God, there are some, like, insane things that, like, my teachers were insane. At a private school, you don't have to have your teacher's credential. So you can be taught by anyone. We were taught by nuns. Obviously, it was a Catholic school. But we were taught by just, like, moms who just were like, I want to. Like be a teacher, so we were taught by insane people. Basically, is what I'm saying. We like have that no in one, yeah. So basically, it's like homeschooling. Homeschooled, in a, yeah, yeah, expensive homeschool. <laughs> um, so there just were like some crazy things. We had this religion teacher slash Spanish teacher who would walk around with a parrot on her shoulder, and she. I had this one friend in our religion class who just would like ask a lot of questions because like she wasn't religious but she was like asking a lot of like questions like well why did this happen or why like why are we being taught this and blah 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 and our religion teacher looked at her she was like stressed out and she told her to <laughs> shut the fuck up whoa <laughs> and my friend the whole class got silent and my friend was like did you just tell me to shut the fuck up <laughs> and she she got silent she's like You guys can go. And it oh just my gosh, was like, she just had lost yeah, it. She realized, she I've lost, lost it. And that was, the, that was the theme for the majority. I, I remember having two teachers that were awesome and great, but the majority of them were that. They were like on this, some were, like I said, some were nuns, some were just like moms that wanted to teach. And like they were on this like thin line of like they couldn't handle questions they couldn't handle <laughs> I don't know whatever we were asking and like a lot of teachers would cry if we <laughs> asked questions wow. or like you know or like I don't even want to say confrontational but you know how kids can get they can kind of like push you and push your buttons and they they would they would just cry like there was this one girl every so at a religious school you obviously you have to pray and in you have a religious you have a religion as a subject and so during um religion Wait, this you can choose the religion or is it no, no, no it's no, just no. catholicism it's just, but okay. religion yeah religion is a subject what? but it's just it's, catholicism yeah, yeah. Um, only one religion yeah right? yeah, yeah it's a catholic school yeah <laughs> yeah there's only one religion right. let's just go. make that clear um <laughs> So um, we we have our morning prayer. So we're sitting there. And I don't know what happened to this girl, but she accidentally fell out of her chair. And we all <laughs> laughed at her. It was just was funny because she fell out of her chair. And our religion teacher just started crying. She just started crying. And we that made us all laugh even harder <laughs> because it's like this girl just fell out of her chair. We're doing morning prayer. And our religion teacher is just lost it, just like crying. It's just little things like we all sound like animals as I'm telling these stories. But it's just like little things like that that were that I think back at and I'm like, oh my God, this is just a crazy school environment we were we were being taught at. And you know, we had to we talked about we had to watch an abortion video because it was a Catholic school and you had to watch an abortion 
happen so you wouldn't ever have sex or have an abortion if you got pregnant. It, I mean, I remember watching it. I remember religion was my last period of the day. And I remember people before lunch were like coming out crying. Like, oh my gosh, oh my how, God. Old we, how old were you? This is probably, I think this, this happened late. in 12th grade. Okay, go okay. So, I think this is the video where the ba- the fetus is running away from the tube that's trying to suck it down. That's what my friend saw. Like, I think animated? So. No, mine wasn't animated. It's real. No, it's what? real. No, no, no. Mom. No, it's really a fetus running? What are you talking no, about? No, it's something that's doctored to make it seem like they stick a vacuum up your crotch and vacuum out vacuum a baby out. that's and running away says, from yes, it. Yeah. I just remember being like, oh my God, this is going to be horrible. And then I watched it and I just remember being like, I don't know. This is not that bad. Like, I just remember being like, not necessarily I want to have one, but I'm like, this isn't that no, bad. No, you like I wasn't. But you were I was prepared just like, for it to be awful. Yeah, I just was like, this isn't that bad, you guys. <laughs> I mean, I mean, having a baby. I mean, yeah. But anyway, so then yeah. in religion, we were talking to my religion teacher about you know pregnancy and blah blah blah, and she was talking. She had like five children, and she was like, well, you know, I had to have a cesarean section or a C-section for all of my my children, and but you know. Um, the scarred and without anyone asking <laughs> no one had asked she had just provided this information she's like but my pubic hair covers my c-section scar so it's not that bad and we all were like oh Ooh, my god you want to know about your pubic hair no one had asked. and again like we're kids so we don't even really even even if someone's like we got a c-section no one at that age is like getting the concept like oh there's a scar like you know right. what I mean like and what's she selling no you on too I, I know yeah. I'm like again it's like these we had just weird weird teachers <laughs> broken women we, yeah it really it really was it, wow. it was um but so that was like the carnival of crazies that was teaching us but I feel like I, I'm still incredibly close with three girls that I went to high school with and we are still really, really good friends. And we were so close in high school. And again, like I would never take any of that back because I, I just cherish our friendships. But again, we were just like so, we, we formed a band together called no. Fort Knox with two X's. <laughs> and I rented, I remember being like, I'll be the bass player. <laughs> and I rented a bass from Guitar Center. <laughs> and it just sat there in my room. And I'm like, I'll learn it one day. <laughs> and I just never, I never picked it up. I remember my friend's brother was like, I'll teach you how to play. And I just was like, Mm, no and I just I never learned how to play but we talked about touring <laughs> you have to I mean it's obviously well if you get the book we started, in, if yeah. you get the tour book then yeah, right. probably you'll pick up yeah, the we're discussing learn. your tour dates um but I mean we just like again we would like uh, these are all like broken stories I I don't even have a through story but we just we, you know, do regular high school things, but it was in this weird realm of just kind of immaturity. We, I remember the one of the first times I smoked pot was at this park at my friend's house, and she had a boyfriend, and so all her boyfriend's friends were there, and they brought the pot, and we were all smoking. We're like, oh my god, we're with boys, and we're also smoking <laughs> pot, like we're crazy, and this. I don't even know if it was a cop car or one of the, again, like a security, neighborhood security cars was coming by. And we're like, oh my God, run. So we all (laughs) ran after we smoked pot up like this little hill mountain. And I remember my friend and I turned to each other and we're like, let's pray. So we prayed. 
we prayed that we wouldn't go to jail and get caught. And it, again, it's not because we were necessarily religious, but when you go well, you to a desperate. religious school, well, A, we were desperate, <laughs> but every day we pray. So it's like all we knew was just to pray. And, you know, we, guys, we didn't get caught. We yeah. did it. It, worked. it worked. It worked. Prayer works, everybody. It works for people smoking pot at Noah. It works. <laughs> but it was just fun, like crazy things like that. We Did you have like, because it was all girls, like did you have dances where boys were around? We did. So we had um, a winter formal. And the weird thing is, so winter formal was for all the high school grades. And you couldn't go unless you had a boy date. So you couldn't just go with your girlfriends or whatever. You had to have a male date. But prom, junior, senior prom, you could go without a date. So I remember winter formal, like, we'd always be like, okay, who has a boyfriend? Who's friends we can get? You know, trying to get some. I remember my first winter formal, my grandma's friend (laughs) grandson was my date I was like I don't have a date my grandma's like I'll help you (laughs) a date it was just this weird thing and then every grade after that it just was like okay whoever had a boyfriend you would like have their friends go with you and then immediately ditch at the dance (laughs) Uh, but then for prom we were like in junior year we were like well we don't have boyfriends let's just go and so we all went so then but no one really had a boyfriend so prom would be predominantly just all the girls which was weirder Wait, because dressed to the nines and everything? yes yes oh, like going in limos and, it, no, and it, yeah limos, just a, yeah just the girls like two, two girls yeah, or four two, girls yeah i mean it would be more than yeah just like your group of girlfriends but it was always Sounds funny fun, to me actually. it was but it was always funny to me that like the winter formal was at the high school. It was for all the grades. And to me, it would be like, oh, that'd be better if you didn't have to bring a guy because it was just like more yeah. casual. But like prom, it's two of the grades. And it's already a smaller school. So junior, senior prom is already small. It's not a, a big number of people. And then it's at another location. <laughs> so it just, it, to me, it just was weird. Um, but I don't know. It just was like a fun weird thing I feel like it weirdly built my sense of humor like we would during summer we would make our own comedy movies and you know we would you know just make dumb things and I don't know I just feel like as crazy as it was it really you know built who I was and I would never change it it was a lot of fun it was Insane, especially thinking back to the people who taught us. <laughs> it was really, really crazy. But it just, again, I, kind of what everyone is saying, I don't think there's a stronger bond than with those people, even though it wasn't army, you know, or boarding school, you know. It, 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 it's such a... It was the army of God. It was the army of Jesus. Amen. All right, guys. What you got, Colleen? I'm going to close it out with just more of a like a a telling you about something. There's no real emotional arc to this. All right, then. So we all know that I grew up in Hawaii. Yeah. I went to a Catholic school. My parents were Catholic. My my dad picked it partly because I think a lot of people pick Catholic schools. They're cheap private schools. (laughs) Um, I was definitely educated by none. Uh, So... 
Any talk of pubic hair and cesarean? <laughs> Not that I remember. And we actually had a pretty Checking. liberal thing of like sex ed and stuff. So, but I don't know if any other school did this in Hawaii, but our school celebrated, You, I think every school celebrated May Day, which is Lei Day really? in Hawaii. It's a Hawaiian oh. celebration. Oh. But I know there are May Days of other cultures, but Hawaii, it's a, it's a big On deal. On May 1st? No, I actually Googled what May Day was because it's so sad that I don't remember, but it's somewhere in May. Huh. Anyway. It, don't ask me too many. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we were a through K-8 school. The way the school worked was the May Day celebration was actually like our school's prom every year. So uh, grades 1 through 7 represented an island. The islands are Oahu, yellow, Maui, pink, Kauai, purple, Big Island or Hawaii, red, Molokai, green, Lanai, orange, uh, Ka'ulave, gray, and Ihau, white. So, there was one through seven were those, and then the eighth grade was the, like, royal court, the king and queen. And I believe the eighth grade boys, which I think Ian was one of these people, but Ian can't remember the thing. <laughs> the eighth grade boys would be this, these guys who would, uh, would, like, usher in all the princes and princesses of the islands. So, each island had an eye, or each, sorry, each grade had an island assigned to them, and they had a prince and a princess. Mm. And the prince and the princess would have uh, uh, their own dance that they did with the other princes and princesses. And then they would also do a dance with, the princess would do a dance with the girls of the it's class. structure. Yes, and the boys would do a dance with the boys of the class. So in my, I think it was my fourth grade year, I got to be princess. Oh, hell oh. yeah. Yes. Now, when I look at the color of my dress, it looks blue. So I think I was either Ka'ulave or Ni'ihau because that's gray and white. Oh, so you wore the colors. Yeah. So the rest of the girls in every other grade, you just wore a, a, a muumuu of the color-ish of whatever. Or if you didn't have the money, you just wore a muumuu. Yeah. But the princess was given an outfit, and you wore the flowers of that island and all that Aww. kind of stuff, and wow. the colors of that island. So I have a picture. I'll put it on the website of no, me. I'm going to dig some stuff up. I love that idea. As the princess. But I was thinking about what's actually really cool about it was... How did you get chosen as the princess? Well, the Excellent teachers question. sort of chose you, and it was definitely like a teacher's popularity contest. <laughs> oh, Some of it was how long you've been going to the school. Like, I'd been there since second grade, so by the time we got to fourth grade, I'd, I'd been there a while, and I was like, you know, I was liked and Sean Lumpkin, my prince, was liked. <laughs> yeah. I know what a name. And then when we got to seventh grade, it was a big scandal because Jamie, who's a Samoan, joined our school. I've heard that name before. You've talked about Yes, I have talked about her. She was her. my best friend. And she and I, in fifth grade, she and I became best friends. She joined in fifth grade. So when we got to seventh grade, a newer girl, Darylin, had joined us. And Darylin was chosen as princess. <gasps> And it was a little bit of a scandal because we we're like, uh, but then we realized they were saving Jamie for Queen. Oh. So when it was we got a power to, play. Yeah. So when mm -hmm. we got to eighth grade, of course, mm -hmm. Jamie was Queen. And mm -hmm. David, who had been with me since second grade, was King. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Yeah. But Jamie had to live with the shame for a year. Yeah. <laughs> we had to be like, Darylin got it, not Poor me. Darylin. I totally should have gotten oh, it. No. <laughs> but what's interesting about this was it was like a court. So the eighth grade boys would dress up and they would wear white outfits and they would have colored sashes around their bellies that were like the colors of the island and they would carry these 
sticks with like what look like drums on the top covered in fabric. And there is a name for them, but I can't think of what it is. And they would escort, you know, like a, a first grader and this her first grade prince down a thing. Oh, and you would. It's really cute, really. It's very cute. And they would sit in chairs. And Aww. so the court. In the, this gym, this rubber sole, uh, this rubber gym that you couldn't have black soles on, so everyone who came <laughs> to this thing had to still not. And they would, we would sit as the court, and the king and the queen would sit in the middle, and then like the, I don't really, do you remember anything about this, Ian? Is it coming You're back? Bring back like horrible flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> but, Stuff I haven't thought about in a long. But then it would be like the uh, representing the island of Niihau, and then like the princess would come out and dance with the girls, and the Aww. prince would come out and dance with the boys, and you know. Sometimes and then they the were, king and queen finished it off. Yeah, and and then there was the like the princesses all dance and the and the queen led it and then the, and I think the queen probably did have to learn like three dances because she had to learn oh, the these eighth are, grade like, girls. Structured dances. Yeah. Oh, you, you learned a hula. I'm sorry, I didn't oh, make that clear. Hula. Yes, you learned a hula, and depending on your island, you might have learned a more intricate hula. So wow, there definitely was a year. I don't. It was definitely not the year I was princess. There are these things. There. Um, I think they're bamboo reeds that have been dried and there's a handle part like the the whole bamboo and then the rest is shredded and it browns so that you whack it and it makes this like rattling sound. There are these long things mm. and you did a hula with these things and then there were po uh, poi balls, mm -hmm. right Ian? So uh, our older sister Heather did poi balls which are these Ooh. braided ropes and at the end is this like white ball that's weighted and a weapon basically. it's like a weapon but you would twist it and turn it and like do these elaborate oh i've seen stuff like that at like luau's and stuff yeah it's really intense and like heather i think learned it seventh or eighth grade i mean wow. we we're fascinated with them so you would represent what your island did or just some aspect of hawaiian culture um so it was just this very intense thing of you know your and I, so that's sort of the end of the story in terms of just this, if you want to know what, like, growing up in Hawaii, that's a thing I did, and it's, I don't think most people did it. Um, but I was thinking of two things, which was, a, a, when I went to high school, none of us did this. We went to the gym once a year, and the, like, legit Hawaiians who knew how to fucking dance <laughs> did it, and it was really impressive, and the Tahitian kids came out and did Tahitian dances, and they were mind-boggling and then the Samoan kids came out and they like there's a Samoan dance where you're like all greased up and people come and like stick money to you <gasps> and it was insane That's and funny. so beautiful and I was like oh we were doing something so terrible <laughs> and then years later I'm just like is that cultural appropriation right or is it assimilation I don't have the answer no, you were that. living it but you were in Hawaii yeah yeah but it a is, lot of the kids were Hawaiian. Yeah. Yes, a lot of the kids were, but I was definitely a very white, redheaded princess. <laughs> do you remember the luau? Do you or do you remember the, the hula? De hula? No, I mean it's it's a lot of like you're just low, and it's things like, um, and I'm terrible at dancing, so it's like things represent things. Like if you go low, it's like right. the the earth, and then you go high, and that means the rain, and in there's mm. gestures and. It's really a language. Yeah, yeah, it's very beautiful. But I even at high school level where it was like, oh, there are people who know what they're doing who are of this culture. None of us were being asked to do it. Um, but you were learning the meaning behind it. So that's which, a little bit different. Like Versus like, even as I said, oh, like I've seen that at a luau. I immediately felt disgusting. Like that's appropriation. <laughs> where I'm like, go and stare at the girl with the, you know. Well, you're not taking balls. it. You're no, watching someone true. do it. Yeah. 
But uh, the same friend, Jamie, she went to Kamehameha, which you can only go to Kamehameha if you are partially Hawaiian. Yes, and Kamehameha is, I think, like one of the wealthiest high schools in uh, the United States. Wow. Maybe even the world. It's the people who, it's, um, I forget the princess's name, but it's like her estate and then all of these people. So it has so much money that like these this trust and it's how much the rest of the island the royals own that they're renting or selling or whatever that's the money behind Kamehameha and you can only go if you're partially Hawaiian and I remember when she was in there she was like hey I'm I'm doing this like hula thing or just come see this hula contest and I went and it was like a giant stadium this like it was the Blaisdell <laughs> Blaisdell Center and I was like it was the like whatever sort of lame like this is the earth this is the rain this means the wind i mean wow the the dancing was insane and like for the most part the men just kind of did stuff but when you watch like real yeah. tongan men yeah. fucking dance yeah. like it's ins- it's insane oh, but yeah. i wanted to end my story mary joe by yeah. telling you while i'm friends with these people on facebook i they are not my best friends thank you you're one of my best friends. Oh. And I met you recently and through the school of life. Yes! Your mom was right. My story! Yeah. All right, let's go around the circle and introduce ourselves. Yes. I mean, tell us where we can find you. <laughs> so, so Wait, we're going to start again? Yes, we're going to start again. Just do it all again? We didn't get it on Twitter. <laughs> you know, Twitter account, Instagram yes, account, shows uh, you're doing. Let's, no, yeah, let's do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so, my name is Katya Duft. I'm a... Public transit blogger, you can find my blog Tales from the Bus on Facebook. I also write about my Uber and Lyft travels. It's called Ooh. Uberations, Old Stories of Uber <laughs> Travel. <laughs> and I also have a Twitter account, uh, Tales from LA Bus. Oh. So I have a lot of presents. So if everybody, if anybody's curious, find me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bri, hi. I'm Brian Henson. Let's he don't see. go. No, he doesn't. I, he doesn't even no. know what it is. I, I'm scared. I'm totally terrified of it. My I twice set up um, a Facebook account and twice never looked at it. Never and you did. have a Twitter account you don't touch. You know what? Let's not get into that. So I have a movie coming out. Yeah. August that Colleen worked on yeah. August seventeenth. Happy Time Murders. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that's if you want to see. Something. And I now have fatwas out for me. I think, no. <laughs> it's being reviewed as the dirtiest trailer for a movie ever. It's really dirty. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty dirty. And uh, it's a bit of a departure for me in terms of film world. But it was... I well, Colleen will say, we, had a, we had a lot of fun making it. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's the culmination of what Puppet Up has been all yes. this year. It's something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's uh, it's taken a long time. We, But anyway, it's really dirty. It's filthy. But it's also cool. It's just also a really cool movie. Yeah. There's actually anyway. a lot of heart to it. There is a lot of heart to it. Mm-hmm. Unexpected. Yeah. Because now they're selling it as the filthiest movie ever made with puppets. I'm going to say, go for the heart. (laughs) Or go for the filth, stay for the heart. August 17th, go see Happy Time Murders. Uh, Yeah. 
Well, Tony left. I was going to just yeah. read his. All right, yeah. So Tony, uh, uh, his t- Twitter is at Tony Cavallero, so that's easy. Easy. And he had to leave. Uh, maybe this. I'm going to read his biography from IMDb. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a com- main company member of the Groundlings, a proud graduate, as we know, of the Virginia Military Institute, where he learned to be a soldier and absolutely nothing about acting. He's also a founding member of the long-form improvisational group Robert Downey Jr. Jr., whose monthly Saturday Saturday show is an L.A. Times top pick. So go see Robert Downey Jr. Jr. I don't even know. I don't think they they do that show anymore. Oh, never mind. Anyway, moving on. Follow him on Twitter. Danny. Uh, I'm Danny. Um, I am on Facebook and Instagram. What are you on Instagram? (laughs) On Instagram, I'm at Danny Moe to the row. I'm holding a toilet seat cover <laughs> over my face. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. I'm uh, probably going to the Grove tomorrow, so I'll, I'll see, see you there. there. You're a delightful son. Yeah, yeah. Oh. We'll probably ride the trolley and look wear at the fountain. Wear a cool new outfit that Colleen has gifted us that with. That Ian wore as a child. Yes. How old is your son? One? He's 14 months now. Yeah. You're going to soon learn like all the playgrounds. Oh yeah! Having raised kids, it's like I, oh that that's a good playground. Yeah, that's not such a good playground. That's a really good playground. We'll have <laughs> this discussion after we're done. <laughs> Mary Jo, where are you? Well, let's see. You can find me on LA at Mary Jo. Uh, find me on LA. Find me on Twitter at Mary Jo LA, um, and on Insta at Mary Jo underscore LA. Although I'm never on Insta, as I've said. Mary Jo Smith on Facebook, public account. Help yourself. Cambridge Analytics, be damned. Ian at Ian Screams. Yep. Colleen, uh, Colleen at Colleen Marie Smee on Instagram and Colleen Smee on Twitter and Chick. Chick is T Chick McClure at Teacher McClure uh, for Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you can find us at uh, myfirsttimepodcast.net. And you can spell that. Yes, and please go to our Facebook site. We have all sorts of fun pictures. Yes. Thank you, guys.